Welcome everyone to Geeks Who Watch Football. I am your host, Jeff Jackson. Today's show, we're going to be taking a look at the Miami Dolphins offseason as a whole, what to expect in the draft coming up, and just some of our thoughts on both the job that Coach Flores and his staff have done. You'll notice that I say we because I do have a special guest joining me today, uh, a friend of mine, Coach Bobby Cesarano. Um, I'm bringing him on because, one, he's an avid Dolphin fan like myself. I trust him a lot when I'm doing my rants and watching games. And I wanted to bring him on because he brings a coaching element to the game. He's going to give you the background himself on what he does, but he he can give you aspects of the game that I can't. I'm just a casual fan, an armchair GM that watches the games and just breaks it down from that standpoint. Bobby can come in and actually give you what went wrong in the play, what scheme the Dolphins are running, what players fit that system. So I wanted to get him on the show. I was really happy I was finally able to get him because he can break down what defense the Dolphins run, what some of their needs are, and provide a little bit different perspective as well, one that I greatly respect, so I'm really happy to have him on. If you notice in the uh, at the end I say Happy Easter, it's because I recorded this before Sunday, so don't think it's like out of touch or anything. It's just I recorded it this weekend before. So I'm excited to see where it goes. I hope you guys enjoy, but yes, I know it's another Dolphins episode. We will be covering just a little bit of housekeeping. I will be taking a look next week, I believe, at the quarterback rankings for the draft. And then in addition, I'm going to have Paul and Matt on again to do another mock draft and some more little knickknacks here and there with the draft as we come closer. But yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Feel free to leave a review on Apple Music. Uh, I say keep saying Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to this. And I hope you guys enjoy. And I'm joined today by a very special guest, the good friend of mine, uh, Mr. Bobby Cesarano, the coach himself. How are you doing today, Bobby? Good. How are you? Not too bad. So I wanted to bring you on because, one, you're also a fellow Dolphins fan. But unlike the rest of us armchair GMs who like to sit and watch TV and just bitch at the screen usually, you actually coach the sport and you actually played the sport. So I wanted to bring you on for your perspective. And um, I wanted if you just wanted to give a little background about yourself to people for like the 15 people who listen. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so Bob Cesarano, I uh... – coach over i coach jv football right now um in high school in rochester new york um class a um i might have an opportunity to be coaching varsity next year um depending on what happens with the next coach but he plans on resigning so i'm planning on trying to go get that that would be my first uh varsity head coaching position so it's kind of exciting and uh, i played high school went to college did some semi-pro for football and that's about it yeah and like I said I'm uh I'm happy you come on because you also get to see that side of it because you're going from obviously JV to varsity so you kind of get the background like I know uh coach Flo for the Dolphins likes to say he believes in development of players all the time so it'd be nice to have you on to also see that type of background. Cause that's what he stresses in almost every Dolphins press conference. You see coach Flo says we are, we really want to build development of players. Right. We don't want to just bring in finished products. Um, I wanted your thoughts. Cause obviously the Dolphins have had a pretty wild off season. Um, it started silent and then it kind of hit with the bang with up leading up to the draft. But I wanted to start with free agency and just wanted your thoughts on that. Cause obviously everybody knows my rank cause we started off with a t- couple of trades. One was a good trade, in my opinion. Obviously, one was a huge flop. We traded for Bernardrick McKinney from the uh, Texans for Shaq Lawson at a sixth-round pick. And then we traded for Isaiah Wilson in a seventh-round swaps. And obviously, that one <laughs> didn't go so well since <laughs> he was cut. He's not even at the team. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, obviously, we released Kyle Vannoy to save about $7 million in cap space. We let we didn't re, we didn't uh, release Devon Godshaw, but we didn't resign him. He signed a two year deal with the Patriots. Matt Hawk we didn't resign. He went to Buffalo for two years. Fitzpatrick is obviously with Washington. Matt Breed is with Buffalo, and Ted Karras resigned with New England. Mm-hmm. And then, last but not least, we signed. I feel like I need to take a breath once in a while. <laughs> Will Fuller <laughs> for t- one year, ten million. Jacoby Brissett, one year deal. Matt Skura, one year deal. Justin Coleman from Detroit to be a slot corner for one year. 
Malcolm Brown to be like a not a feature back, but a more of a thumper for a one-year deal from the Rams. And then we yep. signed a punter from Carolina, Mike Pilardi. And then we retained Matt Collins, Vince Beagle, Jason Sanders, and Landon Roberts. That was a mouthful. <laughs> so right. you can start wherever you want, man. The floor is yours. Where if what you thought overall the Dolphins offseason, uh, what moves you liked, what you didn't, what you wish we would have done. Floor is open to you, whichever you want to tackle first. Yeah. Um, I think resigning the kicker was fine. Uh, Jason Sanders is a pretty solid kicker, in my opinion. Um, I didn't like the Van Noy letting him go. Uh, I thought Van Noy was a very strong player. He uh, definitely mm-hmm. helped control the front seven. Um, him and Shaq Lawson, I thought, were those types of players. Uh, to just have a strong front seven, which is what Miami's been hurting for. Yep. They're not the – the only thing is they're not a playmaker type player, if that makes sense. They're not like yeah. a real Mac. Those are like solid guys that will just, you know, control the line of scrimmage essentially. So you yeah, like the head setters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you just don't have the playmaker. Uh, I don't mind the Lawson going – I, I liked Van Noy a lot. I thought he was playing – he played well for Miami. He had that uh, relationship with Flores. He was also um, the captain of the defense, wasn't he? I think. I think he was like that sure. leadership role too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know they're big on Vince Beagle. Uh, I've seen him play. He's not. He's not bad. Uh, I think that's got some promise there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he just got hurt last year, right? Which is what allowed uh, Van Ginkle to also play. Which obviously yeah. Van Ginkle made a huge step up. Ginkle, yeah, he's pretty. I like him too. Um. I think that I mean I wish Miami got a little more active in the free agency as far as defense. Uh, we still need the playmaker. Um, I agree. Like because Bernard McKinney's like yeah, because Bernard McKinney's like an inside backer, isn't he? I think like he's not yeah. really a playmaking linebacker. He's more of the run once again, like more of a run stuffer. Yeah, and unfortunately with the off nowadays, that just doesn't match. Um, yeah. It's more uh, – the offensive nowadays are more spread, so you have more sleeker and more, you know, athletic safety-slash-linebacker types playing in the middle. Um, mm-hmm. That's why if you're ever able to – if it was ever to switch over, which I've seen Bill Belichick do, and that's how he basically won the Super Bowl that last year with Brady, is they pounded the ball down people down the Rams' throats. And uh, that's how they shifted it because – if you have if you don't have those thumpers, you can't stop a fullback and power running game. That's actually a good point you brought up because I remember they brought in a fullback yeah. <laughs> It's a formation. They just ran a power eye. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm trying to see, but yeah, Jason Sanders, I agree, was a good addition. Like we paid him, or not addition, but re-signing because he's one of the he emerged as one of the better kickers in the NFL this past year. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Matt Hawk letting go was a good move because even though he was good. It's funny that Buffalo signed him of all places because I thought his worst game of the year was in Buffalo <laughs> as a punter, mm-hmm. but he seemed to struggle. Like there was games where he'd boom 50 yard plusers, and then other games where he couldn't punt it more than 20 yards. Right. I don't know if it had to do with the weather or if it was just technique or what, but he seemed to be very inconsistent. So I don't mind letting him walk. Right. But like you said, I think the, uh, the Van Noy one, I wonder if that was to save money, but like you said, I thought, the next shoe was going to drop, so to speak. That's kind of what annoyed me about it is I didn't mind because Van Noy was higher paid, but one, you knew what you were getting. And two, it's like, they didn't really sign anybody after that. So that's why I'm like, you know, I was kind of a little confused or maybe their guy got franchise tagged or something we don't know about. But like you said, on the defensive side, it's like they went more depth players. Like Justin Coleman's a backup slot corner. He's probably brought in the bring in Nick Nina. But most of these guys, I don't see most of these guys, Bobby, as being starters that we brought in, with the exception of maybe Will Fuller, obviously, on the one-year deal. No, it's probably going to be more like a rotational type. Um, I think uh, right now defensively, I think they're going to have a solid front line. Um, I think they'll rotate linebackers in, in my opinion. I mean, we have two high-paid corners. Uh, Hopefully, they pan out. Um, I didn't really see – it didn't look too good against Buffalo, so I don't think (laughs) – paying two corners $100 million a piece and not defending the pass is kind of troublesome. 
they struggled. They only had, I remember, like you were saying, the one good drive in the very beginning when they picked off uh, Josh Allen. And then from there, it was all downhill. I think it was McKenzie or whatever. Their third option just ripped us apart. Yeah. Like, we just could not stop him. And I think they're hoping, and for the sake of our draft pick, I hope he does work out of um, not Nick Needham, uh, Noah Igbenogany, who was a first-round pick last year. And I knew they took him in long-term development, but he really struggled in that Buffalo game. And I felt bad because they kind of threw him to the fire, but I'm sure they're hoping he develops because that would add to our secondary some more. Yeah. Because um, he struggled when he did play. We're missing a safety. I can tell you that. Uh, getting rid of Mika Fitzpatrick. Although at the time mm-hmm. I think it was a good idea just because Miko's kind of being whiny about things and Flores wanted to change the culture. Um, yeah. I agree with that. But at the same time, you gave up a playmaker, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to – we need to replace that. We definitely need a playmaking safety. And actually, you took it right out of my mouth. That was a good move. I was going to say, after free agency, what holes – because I have my list. What holes do you think we still need to fill on this roster? And I know we have the draft, but that's kind of what I'm leading into is what positions do you see us needing? Because I agree with the safety part. Because even if we do, we'd have no depth at safety. If somebody gets hurt, we're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> um, Honestly, as far as I'm concerned, they need to address the offense first. Um, yeah, we need to have a playmaker. Will, F- Will Fuller was a good addition. I think he's fine, but he's a number two in my opinion. Uh, yep. He's not a number one by any means. Uh, he's always had someone better next to him. Um, I think last year might have been the, the year before Deshaun Watson's demise, soon demise. Yep. Um, was the only year he was really like the guy, I guess. Um, so I would really like to see Devonta Smith. Uh, I think he's going to be a stud. I think that would be really good for. Uh, he definitely needs some tools around him, and we need a running back. Um, I don't think we have that playmaking running back either. So either we either need to get a receiver or playmaking tight end, which is available, or we need to do a receiver and a running back. I think those are your first two options because they addressed the offensive Prior. line last year. Yep. And I think they're going to expect those guys to develop. And I agree with that for people. As much as I like Panay Suell coming out, who is a beast of a tackle prospect, I think the team, the front office is happy with what they have with Robert Hunt and Austin Jackson. And yes, they had some blunders like the Denver game where they couldn't pick up a stunt to save their life. But I think they're going to develop. They were rookies. And I know you were the one talking me off a cliff in one of the games. I forgot what I think it was the New England game. And you're like, no, that's not Tua's fault. The lineman just didn't know who to block. <laughs> just let it right through. <laughs> and I was like yelling at Tua, and you're like, no, that's on Austin Jackson. He completely whiffed. Yeah. And Tua couldn't – nobody could do anything in that circumstance. But, no, I agree. That's kind of the list I have as well. Fuller is good, in my opinion. He's a good burner, but he just can't stay healthy. I don't think he's ever made it through a complete season. No, and that no. seems to be the story of the Dolphins is our receivers are okay, but the none of them – we don't seem, like you said, to have the number one. Like, even Parker, yes, he's a alpha 50-50 ball receiver, but I don't consider him a number one either. No. In Parker, terms of – Since Parker's been drafted, he's never finished a full season. And that's the point, too. Yep, even this past season, he missed, like – so when people want to throw two under the bus, it's like, well, he hasn't had reliable weapons. And I put that in parentheses. Wide receiver, for me, is the number one need and reliable. Like, we need somebody who's actually going to be on the field. Mm-hmm. Or two, and I agree with you, Devontae Smith. I think it was like a week or two ago, or it might have been two weeks ago. I did my rankings, and Devontae Smith's my number one. He might be one of the best route runners I've seen in terms of college, anyway. Coming out, the dude's just always open. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Jamar Chase would be fairly similar, too. I think either one's good. Yeah. We need one of them, yeah. And we're in a position at pick six, I think, to take one. Um, but and I think you brought up a nice uh point as well, tight end. I think. Right at the number six spot, because obviously the big trade then happened where we moved down from pick three to pick 12 and then back up to pick six. And I think that's the reason we did that. I think the Dolphins are targeting a playmaker at six. And I personally believe, um, and I want your thoughts on that too. I think that's why they moved back up. At first people like, why are we moving back from 12 to six? And I'm like, I think all those guys are going to be gone at pick 12. And I think the Dolphins, even if they might be there, I don't think they wanted to risk it. Well, all, that in Miami in general was offered a lot of 
draft capital. I think over the next three yeah. years, we have two first-round picks and second-round yep. picks. So that's a lot of players that we can draft over the next three years. Um, but, yeah, they definitely – they weren't getting anything spectacular at 12, so moving back in was important. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely need to get the playmaker. Hopefully it's one of the receivers because we don't have another – we don't have a good receiver. Um and I think the draft suits up well for our needs because this is a very playmaker-heavy draft, like strength-wise. Some years aren't as strong as others, but this definitely appears to be the case this year. And I think you're right because Mike Gusecki, people forget, is a free agent next year. Obviously, we got him under contract for one year, but he's probably looking at those contracts Hunter Henry and uh, John U. Smith just got for New England for $12, 13000000 mm-hmm. And he's probably saying that's the starting point. So for us – it's not. It's nice to have a tight end for probably a twelve personnel, I'd imagine, and also in addition to have some leverage over Gasecki in case he does price himself out. I personally think we're Gasecki. Can, <laughs> he can't block. That's my main problem with Gasecki is he can't block number one yeah. and two. His route running is. Yeah, <laughs> should go back to volleyball. He's like should go back to volleyball at Penn State. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like. I don't know if you saw it, like I said, obviously this is why we brought you in. I just, for some reason, and maybe it's me just looking at it wrong, he just looks lackadaisical on his routes. Like, he doesn't sell them. No. Like, when you watch other premier players, and not just Kelsey, I'm not going to compare him to just Kelsey, but he doesn't seem to have any sharpness in his cuts. He's, he's just literally kind of loafing he's around He's a big there. slot receiver. He's not a tight end. He's a big slot. Yeah. That's all. He's a receiver that's too big to play receiver, and he's too small to play tight end. So, yeah, so they kind of – that's actually a good analogy is they kind of just use them as a big, which is why they probably, I would imagine, run 12 personnel to get a blocking tight end out there like a Matt Hawk or – not Matt Hawk, the um, – Jesus, we had two – we had Durham Smythe for a little bit, but we have two uh, – Shaheen, I think, is the one we have. Like, we have two blocking tight ends. Yeah. We t- uh, Matt Collins, that was his name. So, I know we re-signed him. But – no, so I think that's a nice position for us to pick six, and we can kind of pivot because obviously the upcoming draft, like you said, we have so many picks. Pick six, I think we're going to get a playmaker, and I think it's whoever falls to us. I think there's three players that are playmakers that every Dolphins fan is pounding the table for, and obviously Devontae Smith tops that list. Um, I would also say, like you said, Jamar Chase had a hell of a pro day as well, and he's topped that list, and I think a lot of people are. And I, I wanted to get your thoughts on him if you are yay or nay on him. And if you don't, that's fine. I just wanted uh, – I'm sure he's been rumbling up the boards a lot, too, is Kyle Pitts out of Florida. The tight end that's listed at 6'6", 245 pounds, that just ran a 4.440. They're comparing him to Megatron Light. Not Megatron itself, but one of those monster tight ends of Florida who just catches everything. And they something ridiculous, like he had the longest wingspan of any receiver or tight end in the last 15 years. Um, I do like him. I don't like him at six, though. If we were, like, at 12, I would say, yeah. And he's coming out of Florida, and the last tight end I remember coming out of Florida that was ranked really high didn't end well. Yeah. Oh. So, then he, he's, like, a weird one for me because I do love Kyle Pitts. He's a mismatch nightmare. Agreed. But it's kind of comes up to the same thing of, you know what I mean? He's a mismatch, but you got to use him right is the correction. And it's not me saying I don't trust our staff to, but at the same time, we need separators. Yeah. I, I think it, six I, is too early for him. He need, That would have to be like at the end of the top 10, maybe. Because there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks that are going early. And then other people will fulfill yeah. him. And that's nuts. I don't know if I've seen that in the draft recently where it looks like it's going to happen where three or four quarterbacks might go right off the bat. I don't remember a draft last time that's happened, but it's going to definitely, obviously the top three are going to be quarterbacks. Atlanta kind of starts the draft from there if they go. I think the last draft I saw our mock draft, Pitts was going 12 to the Eagles. So that's almost right around where you were saying. I think they had the Eagles taking them at 12. Which would be good for them. But with Kelsey, or not Kelsey, I'm sorry, with uh, the other tight end. Jeez, the one that uh, Ertz, they, they were trying to trade. Right. and Because he's basically on the outs. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to see what other needs, because obviously, like I said, I could talk Devontae Smith all day. I absolutely love Smith. Like, what, and you're, When you're coaching and stuff, obviously this is a thing to bring up. Actually, this is what I was going to ask with Devontae Smith. 
because some people are burned about that he didn't participate. Like he was in the pro day, but he didn't weigh and he didn't measure. Does his weight bother you or no? Because for me personally, I only get bothered by it if it shows up on tape. Like he looks small, but he's listed at six one, about 170 pounds. And some people are concerned at the next level, will he struggle against bigger defenses? I just wanted your thoughts. I personally don't, but I just wanted your thoughts because of his uh, skill I don't set. look at measurements. Um, I've personally, from like watching kids develop over the years, and like a kid might be able to lift like 200. He might be able to bench press like 300 pounds, but looks like Tarzan plays like Jane is my mentality. Um, he might lift yeah. a lot. He might make those intangibles. But when it comes down to it, you got to watch game film. Watching how they actually yeah. play in a game-like situation. Are they able to run the cuts? Are they able to get out of their cuts? Are they able to run the route correctly? Do they know intelligence as far as that goes? That's what you got to look at, in my opinion. The measurements are great, mm-hmm. but, you know, measurements sometimes are misleading. Jamarcus Russell's one that comes to my mind. Um, you know, someone that was great. Yeah, our team talks and stuff never panned out. Um, no, I'm glad you bring that up because I know you're not the only one who have said that. Like, obviously, they have other former scouts on, and like I know Bucky Brooks has brought that up too, where they asked him, "You guys go to pro days all the time, right?" And he's and he basically said, "A pro day has never influenced who we're going to draft." He's like, "We go there to basically talk to the player and the coaches more so." He's like, he said basically what you were saying. The film tells us who we're going to draft based on it. Because Devontae Smith, I'm the same way. What, is it concerning that he didn't show – well, he showed up, though. He was doing the interviews, and he was at the Senior Bowl with Miami mm-hmm. with their coaching staff and stuff. But I agree with you. His tape is just absolutely absurd in terms of – I don't have a concern. Because when I see the tape, I see him – yes, he's wiry built, but it's not like he's 5'6". He's 6'1". He is astounding out of his routes. I don't think that what makes him so deadly is he almost has like a Jerry Rice, like run to him where he doesn't slow down on any of his breaks. He just hits it full speed. And I, and it's almost like teams are afraid to press him because he'll hit his head on the goalpost. Notre Dame was an example Mm -hmm. of that. Like it's, so it's almost like when people are scared, it's like he, I've seen him get take quite a few licks across the middle of the field and he just pops Right. right back up. So for me, I'm like, well, he doesn't look like he's 170 because he plays, he blocks pretty well. He's physical in the middle. But I agree. Um, I'm trying to think who else there was. So, and I agree with you, by the way, we can swing our attention. I think personally, they are going to address running backs. Mm-hmm. Um, so who do you like? Who Who's the mold of the player? Because I know I have two backs that I really like a lot in this draft. But what is the mold of a back you think that Miami could really use? Because I do think they're going to draft one and relatively high. Um, the only two running backs that stand out at the moment are um, Najee Harris and Travis Etney. Is that it? I think yep. those are the only two. Yep. Uh, I think Harris is going to be more of a thudder, whereas I think Etney might be more of the um, all-round type of running back. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if I had to go with it, i want the all-round running back over that. Um, plus yep. Alabama running backs don't usually turn out very well in the NFL from what I've watched. Um, obviously you have, uh, what's his name? Uh, you got Henry, D- Derek Henry. Right now, Derek Henry. Yeah. That's, that's the, the most recent. recent one, but I mean, there's been other ones that have just not panned out prior. It's kind of like you said, like a 50-50 when you flip a coin because Derrick Henry and Josh Jacobs have seemed really well in their recent two, but then you had Eddie Lacy right. and um, Trent exactly. Richardson, and those were uh, – so it's like you you really don't know. I'm with you. I really – he's on my man crush list. I really like Harris a lot, and I think that's who they have their yep. eye on. But I wouldn't be upset with ETN either because our running backs coach, Eric Studsville, who's now our offensive coordinator, co-offensive coordinator, he was at Clemson's Pro Day. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're eyeing ETN, like you said, heavily as well. I also like Javante Williams from North Carolina. He's the definition of a downhill. Now, I don't think they would target him at 18. I think he's their fallback plan in case something goes south. But I do agree with you. I think people better prepare. I know some people don't like taking running backs in the first round, but I think both of these kids, and like I said, you could chime in on this one. I personally think they're both worth pick 18 or pick 36. In my opinion, both of these kids, I think are. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. 
I mean, I would wait there. I don't think they have to move up for him. I would stay. I believe they're at, what, 18? So yep. I think they can wait there and get 18 or get best available at that point. No, I agree. I, I just like ETN – or both of them are styles are right, like you said. Like Harris, it's just – I like him because he's the typical three-down back. He really improved his receiving at his senior season. And he's kind of that guy who he's a patient runner and he's the type of back why I like him of even if the play's dead, he's like, okay, I'll fall forward and get three yards because he's so big. Like he's never going to take a loss where ETN is like that home run hitter. Like you said, like if he gets, he's not as physical as Harris, but if he hits a hole, he could pop one for 40 yards on you. Like he's just an absolute terror in the middle of the field. And um, for Harris, it's just like you said, I think the, it's the concern for both of them but especially Harris is just the carry load. That's the one concern from backs that play for four years is the tread on the tires of how much, how much do they have, you know, but, but no, I'm excited for both of those backs. Um, So I was going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, I was going to cover the other prospects because I know there's some other uh, positions as well. We can discuss and what your thoughts are on them. Okay. And we're back. So we just covered a little bit of the wide receivers that we like or what we think Miami should go with. We also went a little bit into the running backs. I think in, indirectly we went tight end. I mean, there's other tight ends besides Kyle Pitts. But one of the positions that's being kind of talked about is I wanted your thoughts on this, Bobby, of I, I have a pencil in as one of our needs, but it's up to like if you see the same thing. I would like us to draft a center. If it was up to me, I know we signed Matt Scura from Baltimore, but he had the yips for three weeks where he forgot how to snap a football. So I'm a little concerned in an RPO offense, if that's going to be now, maybe they'll coach it out of him. but would you, would you see something? I know offensive line is set, obviously a center you don't take early, but like in round two or three, I know they worked closely with, with a prospect named Quinn Marinez out of Wisconsin whitewater. Mm-hmm. who is a guard slash center, or what your thoughts of that were. I would like to see a center, at least a developmental one later on, later in the draft, you know what I mean, to develop behind Skura. But I want to know your thoughts or if you think it's something else on the line, you know what I mean, the be the click. I mean, I like Skura because he's coming from Baltimore. Baltimore's usually got usually has good talent. They have physical linemen. He probably has the yips because Lamar Jackson doesn't know how to throw like a quarterback. <laughs> so probably nervous when he ever had a drop back or something. Yeah. So Lamar you think Jackson's not a quarterback? That well, I, see... I know we got Bobby already throwing fire at the Baltimore people. It's okay. I don't think I think mostly the fans who listen here are Pittsburgh fans. Anybody that listen to my <laughs> so well, they got their own issues going on. <laughs> but so you think we're relatively set? Because Skura, I saw like I said, maybe I'm looking at just the negative of the yips. You know what I mean? Because obviously a tackle, I feel like we have good depth because we have Hunt and we have um, Jackson and then we have Jesse uh, Davis as a swing if one of those two get hurt. And I know at guard we have uh, Kinley who had a really nice rookie season for us. I mean, like I said, I think uh, Brian Flores is developing the team the correct way. He's building it inside out, yeah, um, not outside in. Um, and that's what you want to do. Uh, when in the draft, you want to have your players built in the core, and then you want it to spread out. So, I mean, he targeted all the offensive linemen, which I think are fine. He's bringing in pieces to help on the offensive line. You got your quarterback. I think Tua is going to be fine. He just needs help around him, which he did not have. So now you're building on the outside. So, yeah, and I I think you're right there with the um, like I said, there you see development, and I think this is the first coaching staff that I've seen in a while that actually is developing. And maybe I'm having horror stories of Adam Gase and Joe Philbin, but we're oh, actually yeah. seeing players take that step, like Andrew Van Ginkle, like um, even uh, what's his well. Even what's-his-name made a huge jump. Uh, Dieter, who came off the bench and had a nice game, I think it was in New England when one of our guards went down. Like, you're mm-hmm. seeing development, especially Gasecki, even though we say he's a glorified slide, he still was a lot better than year one where he was completely just – we didn't even know if he was going to make the team. Yeah. And then defensively, we've seen development of Nick Needham. We've seen development of um, Eric Rowe we got from the Patriots, but he's been like our tight end eliminator at safety. Yeah. Having a slot. And then Christian Wilkins on the inside, as long as he's not hurting our receivers by jumping on him. 
right with his celebrations but you know like you said i think we started inside and then build it outside i guess the other position i see and what your thoughts are on that because we traded Shaq lawson who like you said seems to be more of an edge setter do you feel like i feel like personally we should but defensive end to me is that a hole now because i know we still have emmanuel agba but do we need you know what i mean what type of defensive end do you think flores is looking for do you think he has somebody already on the roster that he's eyeing we have jerome baker too yeah, that's true for uh, for an off-the-ball linebacker, right? Yeah, I think Jerome Baker's a solid player, too. Um, but, I mean, you can look in this draft. I mean, we're deep enough. Even if they don't want to go running back and they want to wait, they could get one in the first round, too. They could get a defensive player there after they get their yeah. offensive player. So that's absolutely possible. Um, what type of end do you think we're looking for? Do you think we're looking for more of an edge setter, or do you think we're looking at – because I know there's obviously three, four and four, three ends or whatever. If there's a particular, I didn't know if there was a particular prototype Flores looks for, if he's just going for, you know, whoever, because I even well, enough to notice if that there's follow, a, if he follows the Patriots philosophy, Bill Belichick usually morphs his defense into how it needs to react. So he usually changes from a three, four and four, three hybrid. So he goes in and out. Um, I like the 3-4 a lot better, and if you're going 3-4, you need to have the edge rushers. I think personally, because now the division is Buffalo is leading and they have that top quarterback, I think you need to get better edge rushers. So, yeah, they have to definitely find people for that. That's a good point that you bring up because I think that's the one of the nicknames they gave our defense. Obviously, it made a huge jump from year one to year two to where we were ranked top five by the end of the year, but uh, the, the amoeba defense, they called us, because we were able to – basically morph and change who we were. Um, you said you like the three, four a lot. Is that, is that cause is that a better coverage defense against like the passing game of a bills team or is it offer more versatility or. Um, three, four offer in my opinion, three, four can offer more aggressiveness. Um, it's a lot more pressure, more blitzing. It's um, you definitely can adjust coverages to it. You basically can jump in and out of everything. Cover three, cover four, cover two, mm-hmm. um, man, uh, quarters. You can do anything with it. Um, so that's why I like it. And I just like it because you can send a lot of pressure and heat coming from every angle. And that fits what you were saying with Brian Flores because he was much more – He I forgot what the percentage they said, but they said Miami was one of the higher blitzing teams in the league. So that yep. would make sense then. And then, like you said, we do have – you need versatile linebackers, and we have linebackers with speed with Van Ginkle, Beagle, uh, with uh, who you just said, Jerome Baker. I mean, Patrick Mahomes learned that the hard way when he got tackled 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. because we had speed. I agree with you, though. I think defensive end is going to be a target. I, we had two in our backyard of Miami between Jalen Phillips and um, Greg, uh, Gregory Russo. Um, I know they're eyeing – I'm not even going to try to say his name because I butchered every time the defensive end from Georgia – it's a mouthful to say. And then I know we like other players like Joseph Asai, Boogie Basham from Wake Forest. Like, I know they're there. I don't think it's just a coincidence. So, like you said, I think I wouldn't be surprised if they draft a defensive end in the first two or three rounds. Oh, yeah, absolutely. To help develop behind. Um, yeah, no, that's good for those players in that position. Um, I guess the other question I was going to ask, and obviously this is the one in everybody's mind. I know you like what your thoughts are. I personally get bothered. It's why I kind of don't turn on ESPN for the last two weeks of all the Tua hate being thrown and what your thoughts are on that. Cause obviously his rookie season, he had 11 touchdowns, five picks. He was six and three as a starter. You know, obviously there were struggles like the Buffalo game and the Denver game, but I also thought there was bright spots with like Arizona, New England, you know, Cincinnati, he had a fine game of Jakeem Grant would have caught the goddamn ball in a 50 yard pass. <laughs> But I wanted to know what your thoughts are on Tua and stuff. Or, because, like I said, me personally, I'm kind of letting my bias come through. I'm personally fed up with guys like Cowherd who don't watch Dolphin games. Kind of just, but, or what your thoughts are on Tua and his development and stuff. Um, as far as Tua's development, I don't think that's very fair um, to judge him. They had a really different offseason. Um, and the only reason I'm saying that is because I have a different off season too with COVID. Mm-hmm. Like if you had a regular season in the NFL, he would have had a lot more 
um, camps. He would have had a lot. He would have had rookie mini camp. He would have had in-person camps instead of Zoom camps and talking in Zoom. It's way different than being in person. Um, he's coming off an injury. He's a rookie. He's coming into a new offense and everything. I don't think that's a very fair assessment to give him. You got to mm-hmm. give him the opportunity to develop in that area. It's way different in person than it would be in through digital. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something I experienced through coaching. Um, I hate it. I'm doing all the zoom. <laughs> I got to do like zoom stuff. I got to do like huddle stuff. I can't teach him stuff, not in person. Like it just doesn't work. Like being there, going through the rooms, going over everything. Um, do I think they pulled the trigger on starting him too soon? Yes, I do. Um, especially because during that time in the season, they were Fitzpatrick was going on like he was going on a high, like he was rolling. Oh yeah, they, they just were, got done steamrolling the Jets and the Forty Nine. Before then, it was the Forty Nineers. They steamrolled. Yep, they were on a right. little three game or four game winning streak. I think it was, and I agree with you. I think they should have just left him on the bench because. I think to get your perspective on this too, I keep trying to stress the people and you would know this even better than me. I kept trying to stress the people and I'm glad you brought up the COVID because this was such an uh, unique off season that Intua was, I keep trying to tell people rehabbing instead of training that he had a Mm -hmm. fractured hip in October. And some people didn't know if he would play again. And there's a lot, and you could probably speak on behalf of this. Like I keep trying to tell people rehabbing is not the same as training. Like he was not, right. whereas Herbert and Burrow were training, lifting and stuff. Tua was just trying to get back to where he can walk. Right. I agree. Um, now, was there a debate on whether Tua was the option to draft him? I think so. Um, yeah. I was a big fan of Herbert mm-hmm. prior to that. And then everyone was like in love with Tua, but I was one either of them. one I thought was okay. <laughs> Um, I, I think they're both, I mean, they're both fine. I think Herbert just had the better opportunity to play than Tua. Mm-hmm. Plus I think they had better weapons in Absolutely. San Diego than yep. Tua does. Yep. Um, and so I again, think- you got to go back to like, what is he working with? Tua's working with what Devonte Parker's your best offensive weapon for 10 games of the 16. <laughs> right. So like, was that going to help you? No. Your running back, they didn't have a consistent running back. Nope. I think it ended up being, uh, what was his name? Uh, Gaskin, right? Was the yeah, name. it ended up being Gaskin, some no-name kid. Well, um, and that, we even had him hurt. We had to go with Savan Ahmed. <laughs> Third right. So you're asking Tua to have him have a successful season with no number one receiver, a volleyball player at tight end, and you got a no-name running back. Who's and they're all hurt and all in an all rookie offensive line, and one of them was hurt too. By the time we got right. to the Bills game, people got to put into context one that Bills team was rolling, right? They were loaded, they ended up making the AFC championship game, and it was in Buffalo. But two, it was a rookie offensive line, and Devontae Parker was not in that game. Preston Williams, his number two option, was also not in that game, and Jakeem Grant was half powered, so they had to go with Jakeem Grant, Malcolm Perry, and uh, Lynn Bowden as his targets and Jake and not right. Jakeem Granada, the tight end Gusecki had a, like a torn rotator or something he had where he couldn't basically put his hands above his head. Right. And they didn't have Gaskin. It was Savan Ahmed in the last game of the year. And they asked to, and everyone says, well, he pooped the bed in the last game. Like not many quarterbacks would have done anything in that game. I mean, yeah, they, they had nothing left there. That's what I'm saying. They need playmakers right now. So Will Fuller is a good number two. Mm-hmm. If you draft the number one, you're given two, a, two options to throw to. If you're able to get, let's say, the tight end pits or one of the running backs that's available, then you got a running game and you got your weapons. So now you got a running game for them. You can run play action. You can do all that. From an, off- uh, from an offensive standpoint, like you said, I think that's what it should excite people about this offense of how much – and you watch the Bills game. I think what hurts our team right now is currently construction. And obviously, I think Flores knows this, and that's why he's going weapons, weapons, weapons. And I think that's why you've been stressing weapons, too. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems like teams play a lot of – I call it – my buddy Paul hates when I use this term. I call it the Ooga Booga defense. It seems like they play a lot of cover zero against us. 
where they just load the box with corners and they don't put any safety deep because they just know we don't have anybody who can separate. Right. And they just jump the routes. And as a coach, how do you get a team out of that? I call it the Ooga Booga, but how do you get a team out of the cover zero? If you're a co- like, besides obviously getting better talent, like what schemes, how do you get a team out of that defense? Um, throw it over the top. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you get them out of that defense. Yeah. And I, honestly, that's what I, I mean, that's what happens. If you're in, co- I've only been in cover. When I've coached defense before, I, I know it's only at JV level, but. Hey, it's still same concept. Before, yep. Well, JV and I've helped out at varsity two level. When you're at cover zero, you got no help over the top. And the only way you get burned is if it's over the top. Like, I've only been personally me. I would only. I think I've only called it like once or twice. Well, most defenses don't call it in the NFL because they're much more conservative. Like the Bills right. don't call well, defense all the time. The they just ran it against us. Jets Raiders game. Yeah, was cover zero. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, Henry Ruggs where he hit Lock. a goalpost. Game <laughs> over. There you go. And I think the talent, like you said, Fuller is a guy who can get them out of it. I also think if we draft a Smith or whatever. Um, offensively, too, like, and this is another concept for you for um, how I'm, like, if we do, let's say, take a Kyle Pitts or a Pat Freemuth from Penn State in the second round, would it be possible, because I know they say when we run 12 personnel, and people always hear that term when it's two tight ends, and you're, like I said, you're the coach, you would know more. Can you explain to people what that like is in a rough estimate when people say, how do you run a two tight end offense? Cause like you said, the Patriots did this with Gronk and Hernandez all the time and basically mm-hmm. the strength of it and why teams would run it. And that's what I keep trying to stress to people is if we took Kyle Pitts, we would run that type of offense for Tua. Well, if you have the point of having two tight end offense and personnel is to create another is to create three gaps on each side. Mm-hmm. So you're going – you'd have an A, B, C gap, and now you have more gaps that people have to cover. So if you're playing gap defense, then they have to have a C gap covered. And that creates another problem, especially in certain defenses, so they have to readjust. Um, having two gaps makes it more balanced too. I mean, you can overload it on one side, make it unbalanced, and that will create another gap, and then the line has to shift. So that's the whole purpose of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so double tight ends. The real, especially in three, four, it's hard to defend. You have to like realign or you have to like have safeties play the alley and then play on tight ends and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's really what you're doing. You're creating mismatches. So you're creating new run gaps and you're creating mismatches. So who's going to cover? What type of tight end do you have? So like when the Patriots had Gronk and Hernandez, who are you yep. going to cover? You can't put a linebacker on them because they're too fast. Yep. You can't put a safety on them because they're too big. So that's why you want it. So, like, that's why it's hard to defend players like Kelsey, Gronk, and those types of guys. Because I think, like you said, that got players. exposed in the Oakland game, like you said, at the Vegas Raider game. Darren Waller was that same role where he burned us because he was just too big for Eric Rowe. Right. So, having no. two tight ends on the field at the same time, that creates another problem for you. So that's so that makes sense to me then. So that's why some people are riding the pitch train, like you said, because they want the pits and Gasecki. And also the argument people make is pits can sort of block a little bit, unlike Gasecki, who can't block at all. Like a traffic cone would be better on your line than him. Yeah. In so I mean, of, pits is what six six. Yes. Probably like two forty. Yep. Fifty. I mean. Yep. So yeah, are you gonna put a safety on him? No. Nope. <laughs> are you gonna put a linebacker on him? You could put a linebacker on him, but he runs a what type of 40? Four, four. Uh, he ran a 4-4-4 four, four, four at his 40. And then most linebackers probably run like 4-5, four, 4-6. Four, so now yeah. you're getting burnt there. So there's the mismatch. So that's, so that's exactly – oh, I got you. So that's why people are stressing the two tight end system if we were to take him because you would basically use, like you said, Gusecki as a glorified slot, and it would open it up for Fuller and Parker because you can't really – you'd almost you don't want to double a tight end because if you do, you're leaving – fuller wide open one-on-one or you're leaving parker one-on-one on on the outside right and then that helps too and then you get a nice beefy running back like etn or harris you get a you have that third dimension yep to be running the box yep so i i see you've convinced me i'm just like i when people say we need some defense i'm like no i want offense for this draft (laughs) because the draft has them they have all the players too we have the picks to do it and the spots to do it I mean, 
like I said, definitely need safeties. I'm not saying that they do need a playmaker on defense. They need pass rushers. I will say that. But, I mean, we need offense. Because defense wasn't that bad last year. The offense was the one that hurt us down the stretch. Defense and our defense like, just got fired. Our defense yeah. actually literally was – what did we take off Mahomes, like three times? Three times in that game, yep. But we didn't have offense to do anything with it. To punch it in, yep. So and our defense won us the Rams game, too. They played out of their mind. Like, they can generate pressure. And, yes, they pooped their pants a little against Buffalo, but I also think that was just a bad – that's like a – as I know some coaches like the phrases burn the tape type of game <laughs> where it's just like everything that could go wrong in that game went wrong. But and I think it's almost like people have that sour taste, and that's, you know. Tua got us in those positions to win. Like, obviously, he didn't put up huge numbers, but he still got us in those positions to win. So he's finding ways to win, which I'm fine with. And Like you said, he's a rookie, and he's going to get better. And I was, I agree with you. I liked Herbert more than some. I was kind of just fine with drafting a QB. I was Tua was my number one QB that year, but Herbert was also my number two. But it's almost like Chan Gailey was designing the offense for um, Fitz, and we had a lot of 50-50 ball receivers, which is fine. But Tua seems to be more of the Drew Brees mold where it's, you know, RPO, throws, hits guys in stride. Like, he has that as his strength, where Herbert's the strong arm, launch it down the field type. And it's like if Miami wanted to run that offense, then, yeah, they probably should have just drafted Herbert. But now that we got Tua, and I think you're right, I think it's like Flores is going to gear the offense to him. Getting a guy like Smith, the tailor, they're going to start tailoring the offense to him. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. Like, I know we just hired Charlie Fries as, as our quarterback coach. I think that's going to help him a lot, who he worked with. I know Fry was a uh, quarterback, not a successful one, but still halfway decent. But he was. they say he's a great coach, great quarterback coach to work with, too, and he worked with them in high school. Yep. But, and Miami needs to not trade for Deshaun Watson. So those rumors <laughs> need to stop like ASAP. It's the rumor that won't go away, right? Like I, wish it I know we, you and I have briefly talked about it. It's like I the cost it was to get Watson. I was almost at a point of saying it. Like Watson, people, yes, he's a top ten quarterback, but the cost of it to get him would cripple our team. We'd become the new Houston. Yeah, His, quarterbacks are making too much money right now, and they occupy too much of the cap space. They take they take up literally a third of your cap space. So you can't. I mean, you can't do it. You need to jump on the rookie quarterback's bandwagon every time. It is well, yeah, five years. You can't beat that on a rookie right. wage scale. You get five years. That's why most teams that are successful, they hit that window. Like even the, I know, what's it called? The Rams when they had Goff in that rookie deal. Another Eagles contract. <laughs> and then uh, what was the other one? But, yeah, I, you're right. You and I were both in the same boat on the Watson bandwagon of like, yeah, he's a great quarterback, but I keep in Iowa. There's obviously all those allegations and everything. Innocent or guilty doesn't matter. He's not being moved. He's basically on. He's like plutonium right now. He's untouchable. I honestly, Nobody's gonna go near that. Everyone says he's a really great player. I don't see it. I think he's. A, I don't think he's bad. I just don't think he's like that elite quarterback. I think he's good, but I don't think he, he's gonna get you a Super Bowl. I just don't. If he couldn't well, do, it we with, don't really. If he couldn't do it with yeah. DeAndre Hopkins. There's no way he's doing without him. (laughs) And he had a good year last year, statistically speaking. And, yes, I understand they were a crappy team. But, yeah, so team was dumpster fire. That's the other thing that bothers me and that inflates stats and stuff. Or people make that comment that he had all those stats, but the team only had, what, three wins? We had the third overall pick because of that. Yeah, we have their pick. (laughs) And that was because we got rid of that trash bag, Laramie Tunsil. So that was perfect, too. Another terrible oh, that, player. He, did you see the? They had a picture on Twitter of him. Like he should get a gold plate. If we end up winning a Super Bowl, we should put a gold plate of statue of the Laramie Tunzel. I'll trade. give him um, a gold gas mask. <laughs> it's amazing, like and it, it what we got for him. But it it's kind of like the trade. It, that's going to be looked at as our Herschel Walker. If we end up getting yeah. all these players out of this, it's going to be our Herschel Walker trade that it was for the Cowboys. And I'm glad he went to Kenny Stills too. I'm glad they both did. Because they're both <laughs> very overrated players. Well, I think that's why the receiving core, it made me sick to my stomach when I looked and we saw that we had like the top 10 highest paid receiving core. I'm like, who? Gross. <laughs> like, 
God, I know we moved on from a lot of them, and yeah, we're getting uh, Hearns and still not Stills, Hearns and uh, Wilson back, but I yeah. I wouldn't bet the farm on them, and I think Miami isn't either. I I'm with you. Give me Devontae Smith at six, and I think he is their target. By the way, I made that in my mock draft already. Like I think it was a week ago. I told people we're gonna like he's the target. I think of Miami. I agree. Because we traded back up to six, and we got ahead of Detroit at seven, and I think that's why. Detroit also needs a wide receiver. I think that's the target. I think that's why we moved back up, to just leap right in front of them. But, but yeah, that's all I had for it. I don't know if there was anything you wanted to add or anything you wanted to cover or anything on your mind about the Dolphins or anything in the NFL for that matter. But I don't think so. Yeah. If we take a corner in the first round, I'm going to cry. <laughs> if they take a corner in the first round, I better be Patrick Sertan. Oh, the son there. Pat, yeah. Did you see that? That that shows you how long, by the way. The two, top two corners, it makes me feel old as dirt. That <laughs> The top two corners are Patrick Sertan and Joe Horn's sons. Well, I'm okay with Patrick Sertan coming back to Miami if you want. they want to do that. I was of the favor of if we had to trade Xavier Howard, we would have traded him to Dallas at 10 and used the 10th pick to take Patrick Sertan. That was my, you know, but that was, he's going to, he's probably going to be a Dallas Cowboy and it's probably going to wreck yeah. me, but it'd be all right. But no, we'll be good. But no, I appreciate you coming on though, Bobby, and bringing all that insight. And like I said, of all the teams and give me somebody to vent to besides the other two goons I got on the show who do the uh, Jets and Bills. No, happy to talk with them. Makes them feeling better. The Bills yeah. are heading in the right direction. Jets are going downward hard. So, <laughs> sorry. He knows that. <laughs> no, he knows that he's getting depressed. But, yeah, the Bills are trending, and I think we're just a year behind them in the rebuild. I, and that's what my buddy Paul says, too, who's the Bills fan. He says, we basically did the same rebuild, but Miami's just a year behind because they started a yeah. year later. So, it's, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, hoping we follow the same trajectory. <laughs> But, but no, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. And uh, have a happy Easter since we're recording well, this right thanks before. Thanks for having me. And you have a happy Easter, too. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. All right, it. buddy.